Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. You got people right in the front row. <laughs> it's all it's all good. We're gonna start in Psalms chapter eighty five this morning. Psalms chapter eighty five. We're gonna be jumping around a little bit, but if you you might have noticed a theme uh, in in the the two passages of scripture that we read, um, is this this idea of revival, this theme of revival. And what what is it? I'm not, we're not having a revival meeting, uh, but I'll be honest. Sometimes we just need revived. Sometimes we just need uh, we, we we need the Spirit of God to do uh, work in us that we cannot do ourselves. Uh, we can stir up excitement and we can get people jumping up and down with some good music and tapping your foot. And I I, I don't have any good music. And I don't, I'm not going to try to stir you up with excitement or emotion. But there are just times when when we need God to do a work in our hearts. Here in Psalms chapter 84, we are reading a psalm of Asaph, or it says a a psalm for the sons of Korah. But I want you to notice in verse 1, it tells us when this psalm was written. It says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Notice what it says here. It says, thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. We'll go ahead and read down to verse 6 now. It says, thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I and thank you for your word and the examples that we can see here of, in your word that point us to the truths of a loving, long-suffering, merciful God. I pray, Lord, that you just bless this time as we look at your word. I pray that your spirit would have your way in our hearts and minds. And, Lord, I pray there wouldn't be a hardened heart here. I pray that we would all be yielded and submitted to to your word and your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would empty me of myself. Lord, you know that I don't have any ability or or power or, 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 or technique here. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would fill me with your spirit and with your power. Give me every... Even the, the words and uh, to say and the, the way to say it, Father. And I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd meet with us, Father, and I pray that we'd be a better people for it, a changed people. Not because I stood here and preached, but, Lord, because your spirit moved. Help us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have here in the... The book of Psalms, chapter 85, a psalm, a song that was sung by the people of Israel uh, over the years. But notice again, as I said, it was we can tell when it was written, um, at least approximately, uh, by the first verse. It says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. 
Jacob. That captivity of Jacob was took place uh, after the sin of the people of Israel and the continual sin of the people of Israel. At the end of Second Chronicles, at the end of Second Kings, God sent in the Babylonian army to uh, to bring into captivity the people of Israel for a very long period of time. Uh, they, they, the cities were destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Uh, it was uh, the many of the people were killed. Uh, many of the people were taken captive. The book of Daniel was written by one of the captives. Daniel was a captive uh, in Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it, was, it was a difficult time for the people of Israel. But uh, God didn't keep them in captivity. It was not God's plan to destroy Israel. It, it was God's plan to, 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 uh, to bring Israel back to him. And in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, if you remember the verse, uh, I believe it was verse 11, uh, the Bible says that the, I have uh, the good thoughts of thee, I have made plans for thee. He's talking to the people of Israel that they weren't always going to be in captivity. But there was going to come a point in time when he brought them back uh, to Israel and that the temple was going to be rebuilt and that uh, the wall was going to be rebuilt and they were going to be there. And, and uh, here it, this is written after that time when they're, they're, they're being brought back. And, and as a nation, during that time of captivity, they, were, they, they, they weren't allowed to worship the way that they wanted to worship. They weren't allowed to do the things that they normally did. They lost their joy. They lost, their, they, they lost all that they were, had planned in their lives. How would you feel if, if, let's say, China or some other country came in and took over and took you to a foreign land to a place you lost everything? Parents are killed and children are raised up in other homes. The book of Daniel. That's exactly what happened. In that book of Jeremiah, they're told there that that, uh, not to give up and not to quit and not to faint. But that one day, God was going to bring them back. And here he's bringing them back. But they're crying out for something here. He says, listen, you, 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 we're, we're, we're glad to be back there. Verse 1 says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast, recovered, uh, or thou hast covered all their sin. And aren't you glad when God covers your sin? And aren't you glad when God brings there's forgiveness in your life? But sometimes there's, there's something missing. Sometimes in our life there's, there is a strength, there is a power. Listen, we can look back and say, I can remember what I used to be. And although I'm right with God, although he's forgiven me, although uh, I'm not where I once was. I don't have that former, I'm not in that former glory. Listen, Israel was a wonderful nation. It was a powerful nation. God worked uh, amongst the people of Israel. And there was a time when they could stand proud and they could say that they, they worshiped God, but that time was long gone. Now they were back in Israel, yes, but the temple was still destroyed. In the book of Ezra, uh, they were rebuilding the temple or trying to rebuild the temple. In, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, the, the wall around uh, the temple, was uh, around the, the city of Jerusalem, was, was, was in shambles. There was no protection. There was uh, people who were living there, but uh, they were under th- threat of attack all the time. There was no strength. There was no power. There was no protection for the people of Israel. They, 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 it was a difficult time for them. And they were praying for God, revive us. This is, wilt thou not revive us again? 
This idea of reviving uh, isn't a, we're not talking about a, a spiritual mysticism where the power of God sweeps, sweeps through this place and it's like Acts chapter 2 and we see cloven tongues flying around. And That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people getting excited and making a bunch of decisions and going home and never doing anything about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Spirit of God working in individual hearts. Stirring us up and bringing us back to our former glory. Bring us back to where God's in control of our lives and God is empowering us as we serve. And man, we're just thankful that God can use us. This church is 45 years old. Or actually, how old is it now? Some of you old folks. Okay, nobody answered that. <laughs> It's it's well over 40 years old. I'm 40. The building. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the church. Okay. So almost 50 years old. Almost 50 years old, the church is, it's, that's a long period of time for a church. There was a time when there was 200 people packed in this building. There was a time when there were, there were there, man, you, 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 there weren't places to sit. And I, I understand that we're still supposed to, we're social distancing. And, but let's not, let's not make excuses. If, if we didn't have to social distance, then we wouldn't have 200 people in here. Uh, it's, there was a time when, when there was a, a thriving youth ministry, and I, I've heard all about it. About how wonderful it once was and how we used to do this and we used to do that and we used to do this. I'm tired of talking about what we used to do. And with COVID, it just makes it worse because we're, it, it, it almost seemed like it, it limited what we could do. And man, I feel, like, I feel like the people of Israel saying, God, bring it back. Do something. Revive me, oh God. I wasn't going to say this, but I was asked. I was asked to uh, to to speak or preach at a conference a few weeks ago. I agreed to it at the time when I was asked, but I reached out. And I told the, pa the, the pastor who had called and asked, I said, listen, I, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I didn't tell him why. But the truth was, I need revival. <laughs> I need God to work in me. And I'm not saying he's not working. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm not. There are times in your life, and every Christian is the same. It doesn't matter what, what, what the child of God you're talking about, you go through times in your life where it's almost like a roller coaster. Elijah had that same problem. 
After his mountaintop experience where it caught fire from heaven, it wasn't but days later where he was leaning against a tree saying, Lord, just kill me. And I'm not telling you that I'm thinking about killing myself. I'm not telling you that it's not what I'm saying. I just, I'm to a point where I, I'm recognizing in my spiritual life, even though I'm studying and even though I'm reading and even though I'm preaching and even though I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, God, I need your power in my life. And we all face this. This isn't just something of mine. It's something that we all face on a, on a regular basis. At times, we just come to a point, whether it's from outside circumstances or because we're, we're just weary and tired, or whether it's from internal or, or spiritual battles, sometimes we just need that revival. And, and here the people of Israel, they, they're, they're coming back. They, they have been away from the, uh, their, home, their homes for, 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 for years. We're not talking about for a short period of time. We're talking generations. They haven't been back to Israel. And they're saying, listen, we, we remember some of them uh, that went back there in the book of Ezra. Those old timers that had been there before, they had come back and they laid down the, 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 the foundation. The Bible says that they wept because when they laid the foundation of the, of the new temple, what they were going to build, it wasn't anything like what they had previously seen. They didn't weep for joy because what they saw wasn't what had once been. This idea of revival. It's the idea of a plant. Have you ever had a garden or a flower in your home or a plant in your home? Plants in our house don't last very long. My wife's nodding her head like this. My my mother's going like this. <laughs> they, they 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 come in. They 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 they, they bloom. They look very pretty for a period of time, and then. Whether it's underwatering them or overwatering them or the cats or the kids or uh, my wife, I don't know. I try to stay away from them. Uh, but whatever it is, they don't survive very long. Uh, before long, they, they begin to droop and the flower petals fall off and everything just kind of looks sickly. And, and then my mom will come by for a visit and, and she'll, she'll pour a little water. She'll do a little thing and it'll perk up. See, my mom's a whole lot better with plants and, than we are as a family. <laughs> but that perking up, that's what we're talking about. Right? That flower, whether it's from the, the circumstances or whether the, the, the people around it or, or whatever it was, the lack of, uh, of nutrition, the lack of sunlight not put in the right place, whatever it is, I, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, that flower gets kind of... And somebody who knows what they're doing comes along and they pour a little water on it and they put it in the sunlight. They put it right where it's supposed to be. And guess what? How many of us will be honest? Sometimes we're just spiritually. How many of us would be honest and say, right now, that's me. You don't have to raise your hand. 
of Israel were crying out, asking for God to do something. Psalms 85 that says, Verse 7, show us thy mercy. O Lord, grant us thy salvation. O hearing God, the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. We have a God. It's a really short message. I say short message, just one, one point here today. We have a God who will revive as long as we desire and seek that revival. Turn over with, with me, if you would, Nehemiah chapter 4. If you're not sure where Nehemiah is, if you're in Psalms, turn left. If you get to Ezra, you went too far. Nehemiah chapter 4, back to chapter 2. Or sorry, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. We have here the people back in Israel. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle has been rebuilt. There's been a, a pause in the work of God there for a period of time. And, and in Nehemiah chapter 1, God places in the heart of Nehemiah to go back and to build the wall. He's heartbroken. He comes back and he just sees the destruction of the of the city. The, uh, the uh, just uh, they were living. Uh, imagine uh, living in the remnants of a city that had been overrun and destroyed. You look at these third world countries where where the wars have taken place and buildings are crumbling. That's what the people of Israel were living in. It wasn't a grandiose city. It wasn't a beautiful city. They were just surviving. Yes, they had their businesses. And yes, they had all the things going on in their lives. Uh, yes, they had a, t a tabernacle. But, but it was, it was a, a terrible time for the people of Israel here. And in chapter uh, 4, uh, verse 2, uh, God is, uh, again, uh, God has put it in his heart. He, is, he has gone out and, and they're, they're beginning the work to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And anytime God begins to do a work, guess what's going to happen somebody's going to come along and say hey you what are you doing why why are you, why are you doing that uh, uh, you're going to come against some opposition and that's what we hear in verse uh, uh, verse one of chapter four this is but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall he was wroth why would he be angry about that because Satan put that anger in his heart, took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they re revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Uh, he gets his army and he gets his group together and they come up and they're mocking the Jews. They're making fun of them. He goes, What are you going to do? Are you going to finish this in a day? Here you have the uh, Nehemiah and the others who are working trying to rebuild the wall. And he's, he, he's, he's throwing them out questions. And of course they're not going to finish the wall today. Of course this isn't going to be done that quickly. He says, he says there in verse, uh, verse 2, he says, well, they re revive the stones out of the heaps. Understand what these stones were. We're not talking about little rocks that we can pick up. This is the, 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 the stone walls that have been knocked down and have laid there for 70, over 70 years. You ever been around an old building that's fallen down? 
and it's sat there with nobody around it, nobody's touching it, nobody taking care of it. Uh, it uh, the, the, the trees begin, begin to grow up, and the, 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 the brushes and the, the other things begin to grow up. Things begin to crumble, and it's, it's, uh, these, these rocks were, were massive, car-sized rocks. We're not talking small rocks. Have you ever seen the, the stones there in Jerusalem to take it from a quarry? It's, what are you going to do? Are you going to re revive? Are you going to refurbish, use these, these cracked and broken stones? That's exactly what they did. Through the power of God, if you read the book of Nehemiah, that's exactly what they did. In, in a period of less than a year, they rebuilt that entire wall, something that should have taken them much longer. How did they do it? The power of God and the work of God stirring up in the hearts of the people. They came together and they worked and they, they were able to put back uh, the wall that, that had once been there. And, and, and yes, they revived those stones. They had to clean them. They had to. They had to repair them. They had to. Uh, they had to at times fix them. But but they used those stones. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like one of those stones, broken. Left to left to sit on the sidelines for a while. Not uh, think. How could anybody use that? And God says, "Watch this." I want you to understand, we have a God who is in the reviving business. It doesn't matter how far away from the Lord you have gotten. It doesn't matter how, how, well, how many mistakes you have made. It doesn't matter how hard your heart once was. Listen, we have a God that can revive the stones. We have a God that can revive you. say, but God can't do with me what he once could. Turn with me over to Ezra, chapter 3. It's the next book over. This is before the wall is built. In fact, nothing's been done here. This is, this, this is uh, when they first come back, uh, God put it into the heart of the king to, to send Ezra back and, and these men back to build, uh, to, to rebuild the, the t temple. And what a, what a blessing to think that God could put it in the heart of one who is not a, a child of God, who is not a believer in him, to, to do something like that. But God did that. And here in verse 3, we see what happened when they, they came there in, in chapter 3, or they came there in Ezra uh, to, to rebuild the temple. It says in verse 3, the first thing that they did is they set the altar upon the bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings, and thereon unto the Lord, uh, even burnt offerings morning and evening. They kept also the feast of the tabernacles as if it, as it was written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the customs as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continual burnt offerings, both of the new moons and all the new feasts the Lord had, the, of the Lord that were consecrated and of everyone that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. Uh, they, they come back and, and it's been years. Uh, there's, no, there's been no temple. There's been no worship. There's been no keeping of these things. And God had told them that they were supposed to do. And the first thing that they did uh, wasn't to outline the temple. It wasn't to gather the money. The first thing that they did in chapter 3, verse 3, is they set up the altar and they, they set it up, put it on its old bases, and they began to worship God. Listen, if we're ever going to see revival, the first thing we need to do is come to a point where we're worshiping God again. It was to kept uh, every feast, every, every sacrifice, the daily things, the, uh, the, 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 the 
Feast, uh, the Feast of the Moons, all, everything they got a told to do, they, they reinstated it because those were things that hadn't been done in years. And many times the reason we need revival is because we haven't been worshiping God. We haven't been meeting with him daily. We haven't been doing those things that God has told us all along that we're supposed to do. And maybe it was because the people had come in and destroyed them, right? That temple had been destroyed. It wasn't their fault, but it was their fault. It was destroyed because of their sin. It was destroyed because uh, of their, 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 their disregard of, uh, of the word of God and what God had said. They had turned their back on God. That's why Nebuchadnezzar came in. That's why Babylon came in. But here they have a desire to be revived. They're crying out for revival. They're, they're building the temple. Or before they build the temple, they, they build that altar. Once again, they begin to worship. Jump down to verse 10 of chapter 3. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of the king of David of Israel. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks to the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout because they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid and many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were the ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes says, wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. The next verse tells us that it was so loud that you couldn't tell the weeping from the shouting. They, they, they've set up the altar and God has taken care of them and protecting them now. They're, they're worshiping and, and they lay out the foundation of the temple. And, and once that, that, that's done, they're seeing the progress and God is doing something. Hey, they begin to shout. They begin to say, hey, praise the Lord. We have a temple again. We're going to be able to worship here. This is where that's going to go. This is, wow, God is amazing. God is bringing himself back to us. We're bringing us back to him. This is a wonderful time. But those that had been there for a long time saw the size of the house. Now, if you read back in the book of Kings about the first temple, we're not going to take the time to do it, you would see that the first temple was magnificent. The gold and the silver, the, 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 the cedar, the wood that was used, it was a magnificent temple more beautiful than anything else that had ever been built. It was, it was a beautiful place uh, that was to be the house of God. It was a place where they were to come and to pray. It was a place where Solomon said, Lord, uh, if your people were to call by, not, by your name, listen, that, that's the, the temple. When they finished that temple, they dedicated the temple, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit of God and the, the smoke descended upon that place. The glory of God was there. Those old men, they saw this new temple. And it wasn't anything like, remember, this is war-torn Israel. They didn't have gold. They didn't have a whole lot of silver. They didn't have a whole lot of anything. They were trying to rebuild a temple with, with, with the, the things that were there and the money that was brought from, from Cyrus. Uh, it wasn't anything like it had, like it had originally been, been. And they, they began to weep, thinking, what's God going to do with this? How is God going to be pleased with this? And you say, how do you get all that from that? Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2. It 
Haggai comes after Jonah, Zephaniah, right before Zechariah, Malachi. Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 1. There's a period of time here, by the way, that uh, they began the work of the temple and then it, everything stopped. Because again, some men got angry and they wrote the king and the king ordered that the building be stopped. And so they stopped building the temple. And here in chapter, Haggai is preaching to the people and God's stirring up in their hearts to, re, to finish the building of the temple. Verse 14 of chapter 1 says this, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jozadek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So now they've, be, re, they've begun to refit or to finish uh, the work that uh, it was started in the book of Ezra. Verse 2, or chapter 2 and verse 1, In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the sons of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who was left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes as in comparison of it as nothing? These men that were weeping, they weren't weeping because they finally had a, a, a temple again. They were weeping not out of joy. They were weeping out of sadness. Because in their eyes, what, what the temple was now was nothing compared to what it had once been. And yes, God had brought the people back. And yes, God had allowed uh, some, uh, some forward movement to be made. Uh, yes, uh, the temple was being rebuilt. But they were weeping because it wasn't going to be, it could never be what it was before. And, and listen, in the eyes of man, it wasn't. It was smaller. It didn't have the amount of gold. And so uh, there's a difference. Have you ever seen some of the houses that are, that are out there that are built? They're just gorgeous. Marble, everything, and uh, just uh, gorgeous wood floors. and uh, just, uh, just, uh, just amazing. And then you have some other houses that are, you know, not so nice. They, they're, they're solid. They're, they're, they're good, but it's not nearly as opulent or as beautiful as some of these mansions that are out there that's the difference we're looking at and they're seeing that that's this is nothing but can i tell you god doesn't care what the outside of the building looks like god doesn't care if it's a if it's if it's got golden doors and and, and beautiful th draperies and and, and a, a nice paint although god doesn't care about those things those are all the outward appearance i want you to See what God has to say here. It says, verse three: Who was left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, said the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you, when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, said the Lord of hosts. 
and in this place will I give peace, said the Lord of hosts. God's saying, listen, I've got all the silver, and I've got all the gold. It all belongs to me. I don't need those things in the wall. Uh, what, 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 what you built before, you're looking at that as, as glorious. But what, let me tell you, there was glory there. Remember, the, the glory of the Lord descended upon it. But he said, the glory in this latter house, this new place, is going to be greater than, than it outside the glory before. Listen, you think God can't use you. You think that God, uh, that, that what God can do in your life is limited. You think, hey, listen, God is still with you, child of God. He has not left you. You may limit yourself with your sin and your lack of faith. You may limit yourself with your, your, your unwillingness to submit to the, to the power of God. But God desires to use you, and he will. And the glory will be greater. Why? Because the glory goes to God. I'd rather be weaker and God be, be shown, his strength be shown in me than me being a great speaker and be able to, with my personality, fill this, this church. Because guess what? Well, one day my personality may be off and everybody leaves. It isn't about me. I, listen, I understand that. I praise God for that because it's got to be about him. God's in the reviving business. One day, Jesus was going to stand in that temple and preach and say that, and talk about how the, 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 one, that the Messiah was going to come and it was going to heal and, and, and heal hearts. And, and it's then say, in me, is that fulfilled? I tell you, that was the, the, the day of God's greatest glory. When Christ stood in there, uh, uh, what a what a what a day it, it was going to be when Christ was there, when He knocked over those temples or those those tables. And listen, that was Christ in the temple that they built. See, well, how is that glorious? Because God in the flesh was there. I'm so thankful for the day that, that Christ came, that He was born, and that He died and He rose again. I'm thankful for the day that he saved me and, and, and gave me new life. And there have been times in my life when, when I've been closer to God than I am right now. And, and sometimes the things happen in our lives. Listen, I was talking to somebody this morning. Everything happens in our life for a reason. Nothing is by accident. We go through difficult times say, Lord, why? A lot of times it's for us. It's either for us or because of us. The people of Israel went through the, that occupation and, and being taken away because of their sin. But even that was for them. Because it got them to a point in Psalm chapter 85 where they're saying, Revive us, O Lord. God is working and things are happening. And we can say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Job went through a whole lot of things. He says, Lord, I don't see you on the left hand. I don't see you on the right hand. I, I don't see you anywhere. But, Lord, you know the steps that I take. And when I'm tried, I'll be, I'll be brought forth as pure as gold. Listen, there's a reason we go through things. And we may not understand it. And we may think it's, it's pulling us away from the Lord. But God doesn't allow us to be pulled away from the Lord. Remember, if you're a child of God, He's praying for you. When I say he doesn't allow that, I mean, his desire isn't that you be pulled away from God. What, what I mean is his desire is you would be refined. When Peter was getting ready to be, uh, go under the, 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 uh, the, the temptation of Satan, what did Jesus tell him? Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you 
And he didn't pray that he would be taken out of the temptation or the trial or what was going to happen. He prayed that his faith would not faint. Listen, sometimes we need revived because there's sin in our life. Sometimes we need revived because we're weary. Sometimes we need revived because uh, we're in the midst of a temptation and a struggle and we're, we're just, we're not able to go forward. Sometimes we need revived because of things we've allowed and we've just sat back and not done anything in a, spiritually in our life. And, and we need that revival. God is in the process. God is in the business of revival. If you look at Elisha, as, 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 as after his mountaintop experience, he came down, I mentioned him earlier, and he sat underneath that tree after being threatened by Jezebel. He says, Lord, kill me. God didn't kill him. God sent him an angel. God gave him rest. And the angel ministered to him. He woke, he woke up from his sleep, and the angel fed him. He gave him the strength that he needed to go on. He gave him the information that he needed. Listen, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee. He gave him just what he needed to give him the strength to go on, to continue on and serve him. Not only that, but he gave him Elisha, right? Elijah had served the Lord alone and faced all these things alone, and he brought along Elisha to come alongside and help. Listen, that's what God does for us. He ministers to us. And listen, while we may not know a whole lot more of Elijah's ministry after that, Elijah's ministry was carried on by Elisha. Samson is another. Man, the, one of the worst things that, uh, that, I, that I could ever think would happen to me would be what happened to Samson. The Bible says he went out and knew not that the Spirit of God had left him. He went out thinking he had just as much strength as he had always had after, after laying his head and, and allowing while he's sleeping, uh, having Delilah cut his hair off. He goes out and thinking he's strong and he's bound, and he finds out he's weak and not able to fight. The Bible goes on to say how he's bound and chained and taken prisoner. And they take, uh, they take uh, these uh, uh, hot pokers and they stab out his eyes to blind him. And, uh, uh, what, just to think the man who was once the, the pride of Israel, the man who was the protector of Israel, the man who God had used in all those, those ways was now just a, a simple prisoner, weak and unable to do anything and blind and unable to see anything and, and, and without the power of God in his life. But I love the end of the story. So well, it ends with him dying, it does. But it ends with his revival first. And the truth is, every real revival in our life will encompass our dying. As he hung there, as he stood there between those two pillars, asked the, asked the little boy to take him over there. They mocked him and made fun of him. And there were more, more Philistines in that building, more leaders in that building than, than, uh, uh, than had ever come together before. And, and as he stood there, he prayed unto God to give him one last about a bout of strength. And he knocked over those pillars. In the process of killing, him, killing those, he died. But he served God and glorified God in that. And listen, God took a, a, a weak, blind man who had turned his back on God for a long period of time, and God used him. 
He refurbished them. He revived them. He gave them back his strength. If we're going to be revived, it's going to have to be us coming and humbling ourselves before God and saying, Lord, not my will anymore. Not my way anymore. God, I want to give my life over to you. You want real revival. It's going to take submitting yourself to God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will come again. I know that's a promise for the people of Israel, but we're promised the same thing in the book of James. Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, there's, there's a, God has a desire to revive us, but God also has restrictions. If that flower is going to be revived, it needs to be moved into the sunlight. We need to draw closer to the Lord. We need to cleanse our hands of our sin. We need to, we need, we need to uh, come to the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness and acknowledge that the, 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 the sin that is there. And I am so thankful. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, and we have a promise of God that we, can ha- that we can have that forgiveness, that he will cleanse us no, no matter what it is, no matter how long it's been. Uh, listen, there are some things that you get on. Has anybody ever uh, climbed a, a pine tree? Or cut up pine. There's something, you get that stuff on your hands, it just seems like you can't get it off for anything. I'm so thankful that the sin of my life isn't on my hands like that when I, when I come to the Lord and ask for, for forgiveness. It says he cleanses me. I don't wash it and then like, oh, I'm not, not done yet. Oh, still not done. Uh, I can go. I can go days back when I used to trim trees for the power company. Uh, I don't, I'd climb those stupid trees and they'd come down with sap all over my hands, and it, it would be days before I could get the black off of my hands from those things. Uh, but the, man, when the power of the blood of Christ—it's all gone. Not just my hands. Not just my all of me. It's all gone. That iniquity isn't held over my head anymore. I'm not bound into the, 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 the guilt of that anymore unless I bind it to myself. Listen, I'm free. I'm justified in the name of Christ. I stand there in righteousness before God, and his spirit is in me with salvation, and it's free. I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. I'm so thankful for the, for the revival that is available because we have a God who is able the question is, what are we going to do? One last passage. Second Kings chapter 7. Look at verse 3. This is a story we all... We all know. So there, were th- there were four lepers, men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? The city of Samaria, where they were at, was under siege. Surrounded for a long period of time. So much so that uh, they they had come to a point where the people were starving. Uh, they, the food, uh, pr- the price of food was 
beyond a cost that anybody could afford. Uh, uh, those that were the poorest of those were were eating each other. Women were sell were, were women were selling their children and and killing their children. They they were eating things that you and I would never consider putting in our mouths. They talked about eating the, the, the dung of animals. Listen, that, that's just filthy and disgusting. And, and to, get, to get somebody to do that, you, they have to be desperate. That's where the people of Israel or the people there in Samaria are. But outside the, force, outside of the city, in between the, the, um, in between the enemy and in between the city, outside the city uh, is, are these four lepers. Now, they're, they're outside the city because they're leprous. You're not allowed to, 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 to be amongst others. So, so they, they, they're there, they're sitting together, they're, and they're talking amongst themselves. And they're saying, what, what are we going to do? We can sit here and die. We've got leprosy, and nobody has food. Nobody's going to give to us. There's nothing to give to us. We're going to sit here and die. Or we can go into the city and die. Because, well, they'll beat us for coming into the city and they'll stone us for coming into the city so we, we would die die for being amongst the people there we die by starvation here or peradventure here's an idea here's a thought we can go forward we can go out there to the to the enemy there and and and, and just maybe they'll they'll show some grace just maybe they'll 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 they'll, 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 they'll be kind and they'll feed us and if not We'll die. I mean, what choice do we have here is what they're saying. We can, we can sit where we're at and, and not do anything, but we're going to die. We can go back. We're going to die. Or we can go forward and we have a chance. We have hope. So they get up, the, they get up and they sneak out to the camp and they get out there looking for somebody who might be kind. And they walk into an empty camp. Because unbeknownst to them, God had performed a miracle of miracles, uh, something that could not be done. The, the enemy had thought that there was, that the enemy was upon them. They, they began to, to fight amongst themselves and they ran. And they left everything behind. They walked into the first tent. And there aren't any people, but there's food on the table. There's clothes and clothes over here and like this is this is pretty cool they start munching on and they, they're starving they're not when i say munching they're not have you ever seen somebody who's who, who's starved being to feed themselves they grab grab a handful of food they're, they're jumping chomping it down they're drinking as much uh, as much as they can they're, they're just excited at what they have they're, they're grabbing clothes they're grabbing money they're, they're filling pockets they, they've got a maid they've got everything and suddenly they stop and said hey we're well, not doing a very good thing here there's a whole city of people that, that back there that are starving. If we don't go back, God's just going to kill us right here. We need to go tell somebody. And so they did. And God did a work there. All the people that, uh, that were starving, God had told Elijah the day before this had happened, that, that the next day it would, uh, that there would be, that, or not Elijah, Elijah, God would tell, had told that there would be, that there would be food and, 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 and the, the, the famine would be over. God did a miracle. here we are those of us that need revival we're sitting outside the city now we can stay right here we can go on living just like we always have we can we can do our daily things that we normally do we can we can 
go on until we get to the point we just can't go on anymore. And we can die. We can go back. We talk about going back all the time and how wonderful it was, but listen, you can't go back and live in the past. We can't, there's no, there's no time travel machine where we can step in and get back when, 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 when things were great in our life and the Spirit of God was stirring and, man, we were serving and God was good and everything was good and, man, praise the Lord. We can't go back to that time. Now, it's good to remember those times. They can help us in times when, when we're struggling because we can remember how good God is. We can remember uh, the, the strength and the power of God and what God has done in the past. And, and hey, if, what if he's done in the past, he can do it again in the future. But we can't live there. Because if we do, if all we ever do is live in the past and rejoice. You know what, that, you know what that's like? It's like those four guys sitting there. Remember, remember back in Thanksgiving of 1972? When, when we had that, that turkey dinner, uh, what, that, uh, my favorite part of, of, of that dinner was, uh, the favorite part of every Thanksgiving is, is sausage. Is, is, my wife makes this, this sausage, uh, what's that? Sausage stuffing casserole. Woo, it's got cranberries in it. It is, it is spot on. Man, I, 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 I'm, I'm behind this mask. I'm salivating right now thinking about it. It is good, but you know what? It's gone. I can't gain a calorie. I can't taste it again. I mean, in my mind, I think I could taste it, but that's just in my head. I can't really taste it here. I can, I can want it. I can long for it, but I, there's no chewing. There is no swallowing. There is no feeling of my belly. There is no strength coming from it. Why? Because it's just a memory. The only way I get it again is if I talk my wife into making it again. And may she have mercy upon me. I look forward to it every Thanksgiving. The first, the first, our first Thanksgiving together, she made that trying to impress me, and she did. But I can't live off that. Guess what? I have to eat lunch today. That memory's not going to fill me up. We're not having the stuffing, but at least I'll have something. And guess what? It might be better. We can't live off of what God used to do here in this church. And God has done some great things in the past. God has done some great things before, before I ever came here. God has done some great things uh, since I've been here. Listen, God did some great things in this last year. We had one of the greatest VBSs we have ever had as long as, as far as I've been here. Uh, over 50-something kids, most of them, many of them, not most of them, but 23 of them had never been to this church before for anything. What a blessing. We just had an amazing walk with Jesus where, where we reached 16 different states and 60 families and a report of at least three kids saved, not necessarily as a result of, but as a part of all of this. Praise God! But guess what? That was two weeks ago. And I need to eat more than every two, every two weeks. I need God to work more than well, once a month. I need revival. So we can sit here and we can reminisce. We can go back. Or we can get on our knees and move forward.
and say, God, you have been good to us, but God, I, I need revived. I'm weak. I'm tired. I, I've fallen. God, forgive me. God, revive me. And I'm not saying that to kind of to stir up your emotions. I'm saying that because I need it. And if you see that you need it too, I want you to remind you that we have a God who's in the revival business. He revived Elijah. He revived, he revived Samson. He revived the nation of Israel. He revived a rock. He can revive you too. If you want it. And if you're willing to come and meet his standards. Cleanse your hands. We don't like to we don't like to uh, necessarily admit our sin. I know this is a long message. Take, take your Bible and turn to James. We're, we'll end here. Verse 6 of chapter 4. It says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. The first thing we need to do is humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need it. Not to ourselves and not to one not not, not necessarily to one another, but our, humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need revival. We need to take down the facade and the fakeness of, of putting on our Sunday best and our Sunday face, and we just need to get before God and say, God, I need revival. We need to put off the, the fakeness of, of, of our good works and how strong we are and how, how great we are. Listen, God wants us to humble ourselves. God wants us to come before him and say, God, I need revival. Instead of putting on this fakeness of, of, of the tradition of our church, say, come to the altar, come here, come there, fall on your face where you're at, and say, God, I need revival. You say, you're just trying to stir up emotion. No, I'm not. I believe that's what it's going to take. I believe that's what it's going to take. Hearts that truly that don't care about what anybody else around them thinks. They're not worried about what their neighbor says or what everybody's going to say. Or they're going to know that I need revival. No, we just desire revival so much, we're willing to pray for it and see God's face for it, no matter where we're at. He says, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. We need to make that. Listen, he's waiting. In my mind, I have this, we, we call it the prodigal son, but I, I believe it's talking about the, the, the I believe the, the, that that parable is talking about the father. As the prodigal son's coming back, the father is working the field, but his eyes are on the hills waiting for that his son to come crossing, crossing over. And listen, as soon as he sees him, he drops what he's doing, and he runs and he envelops him in his arms. Listen, he says, you draw nigh to me. You know when that step for, when, when it first started? When he's sitting there, and he's eating over the, the, the eating over the, the uh, pig's, uh, the pig's uh, meal and he's taking things out of it trying to eat because he's so hungry and it says he came to himself. He came to, there was a, a switch, there was a change where he said, listen, I don't want this anymore. I'm tired of this. I can't live this way anymore. He says, listen, even my, the servants, they, even the servants, they have bread to eat. I'm just going to go back to 
father, and he starts, to, he starts walking back one step at a time. I want to make this plan. I want to say, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. I, I know I, I brought shame to the family. I know that I rejected you. Lord, I, their father, I just, I, I want to be your servant. And he, he practiced that all the way back, and he never got a chance to give it. Because as soon as the father saw him, he ran to him. The Bible says, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. You want God to work? You want, you want revival? We need, we need to begin by coming to ourselves and beginning that, that, that process of drawing nigh unto the Lord, coming back to the Lord. Uh, uh, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face as we begin to seek the Lord. Uh, I, I was talking to one of my kids the other day, and, and just tears in his eyes. Says, he says, how do I know God is real? I, I believe he's real, but how do I know? Seek him. Seek him. Get on your knees and seek him. Open the word and seek him. Pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. Seek him and say, God, I know you're there. God, I need revival. I know you've worked in the past, but God, I need you to work now. Draw nigh. Just cleanse your hands. We need to acknowledge our sin and ask for forgiveness. And we need to purify our hearts. It says you double-minded. What does that mean? A double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. It's, 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 he goes back and forth between what's important. Listen, the, the double-minded man is one who loves God but also loves the world. I mean, that is a problem. and There will be no spiritual fire in your life. I'm not saying you can't be saved, but, man, the Bible says your prayers won't be answered. The Bible says that that man's unstable. You can't ask God of anything. Listen, you want revival. You need to focus and say, what is it that I want? And die to self and say, you know what? None of those things are worth it. Paul said, it's all dung that I might know Christ. We need to, most of us aren't willing to pay the cost of real revival. We're not willing to pay what it costs to, to set aside those things that are precious to us. But what are they really, are, are they worth anything? Eternally, no. Eternally, no. It's, in, in eternity, it'll all, be, it'll all be gone on the wayside. It'll all be finished. It'll all be over. But we clung to it because we thought it was worth something. And in doing so, we lose the revival that, we're, that we want because we're not willing to pay the price. Listen, Jesus already paid the price. He's offering it to us. Do you want revival? Verse 9 says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Many times we, when, we, when we're seeking revival, we, we'll humble ourselves, we'll do all these things. But listen, we're not willing to mourn over our sin. We're not willing to mourn or grieve over what we've done to the Lord. Listen, if we're rejecting the Lord, if we're, uh, we're, we're, where is the weeping? Uh, where, where, where is the, the inner grief? He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. 
and he'll lift you up. We want revival. This is what it's going to take. The question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and starve spiritually? Are you going to reminisce and rejoice over what's been done before but still starve because you're okay with where with what happened in the past or are you going to seek God to do a work in you may God help us Father I thank you for this day Lord I thank you for your word I thank you for your spirit Lord God revive me Revive us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you might start a revival here in our church. And Lord, start it right here with me. Lord, any sin, forgive me of it, Lord. Any weakness, Lord, may you fill it with your strength. God, may you work in a great and mighty way in my life and use me, Father. I know that I'm not worthy. God, I pray, Lord, that you might bring revival. Have your way with each and every heart here this, this, this afternoon, Lord, or this morning. May you be glorified. I ask this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.